listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Father God, thank you so much. Nothing else will do, Lord. Nothing else will do. You're such an awesome, mighty God. And we've come together this morning, Lord, to give you glory, to give you honor. Holy Spirit, we just want to love you like you love us. And we love you because you loved us first. And we just want, we just get together because we want to be together in your presence. And I thank you for being with us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God. Thanks. Thank you. Music is the universal language. I don't know anybody who doesn't like music. Music is an awesome thing. Last week when, when Duff was speaking, he read a verse, and in the verse it talked, it mentioned the fire. And God said, that's what I want you to talk about next week, fire. And I said, but what do I know about fire? <laughs> you know? Um, and God said, you know lots about fire. Okay. So I went home this week and I tried to figure out what I know about fire. Um, I know a little bit about the natural fire. I know you need fuel, you need oxygen, and you need heat to make fire. And you remove any one of those three, the fire's gone. And every method of putting out fires uses one of those, takes away one of those three items. Unless it's nuclear, you know, that's a different ball of wax altogether. So I looked, I started, <laughs> I started by going to the concordance. I always do that. I start by going to the concordance and see what the Bible says about fire. And there's over 500 verses that mention fire. So I had a bit of time trying to wade through those. But when we talk about the fire of God in, in, in the Old Testament, there are times when there actual was, like Sodom and Gomorrah, where there actually was fire that God used. But for the most part, for us, it's not an actual fire. But it does burn. <laughs> but it does burn. We talk a lot about the love of God because we've experienced the love of God and the love of God is the most amazing thing. It is the most amazing thing. And most of what I wanna talk about today is about a refining fire. But I, I just want to remind you that there is a part of God um, that judges and God does get angry and, and we're so blessed to live in a age of grace where God doesn't pour his anger out on us like he did in the Old Testament and before the age of grace I just want to read a couple in Isaiah, Isaiah 66, 15 and 16 I'm going to read it from the Passion but they didn't have it in the computer this morning so they're going to put up the voice but I'm going to read it from the Passion it says look Yahweh is coming as a raging fire and his chariots like a whirlwind to unleash his anger and fiery fury with the fiery lightning of his rebuke. With fire and with his sword, Yahweh will judge humanity and many will be the slain of Yahweh. There is a facet of God that isn't fun to behold. <laughs> you know, there, there, is, there is a part of God that gets angry 
um, I have never, I don't think I've ever seen God angry, but that doesn't mean he doesn't get angry. When Jesus got angry in the, in, in the, in the Bible, he got angry twice, I think, and both times it's because people were abusing God's children. God gets angry over things that hurt his kids. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a holy devouring fire. A devouring fire. And, and, and that word devouring fire there can be translated a consuming light. So as, as, as I go through today and talk about the refining fire of God, let's not forget there is a facet of God that is not so nice. You know, there is a judgmental facet. And, and thank God we live in an age of grace where we don't see much of that part of Him. Um, but the age of grace will close at some point. And those who aren't God's will see, see that part of Him. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, in the Passion, it says, those who repent... Okay, this is when Jesus is coming down and he's getting baptized by John the Baptist. So this is John the Baptist speaking here. And, and he says, those who repent, I baptize with water, but there is coming a man after me who is more powerful than I. In fact, I'm not even worthy enough to pick up his sandals. He will submerge you into the union with the spirit of holiness and with a raging fire. He will submerge you into union with the spirit of holiness and with a raging fire. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as a raging fire. There's a, the Bible also talks about a fire from hell, which is different. In James it talks about um, your tongue being a source of a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body. So there is fire that is not from God. And we want to stay away from that if we possibly can. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, on the, day of on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from the out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anybody could bear. And then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in a language they'd never learned. The pillar of fire, the first thing that comes to my mind when it says pillar of fire is the is the, um, the Jews being walking out of Egypt. And they get to the ocean, and there's no place for them to go. They are out in like a peninsula, and there's nothing at ocean on like three sides, and Egyptians coming at them from the back. And a pillar of fire, God was leading his people with a pillar of fire at night, with a cloud, a pillar of cloud during the day. It was the presence of God. In Exodus 14, it says that God looked down from the pillar on the Egyptians. So the pillar of fire, the Israelites knew 
the pillar of fire was the presence of God. God was in that fire. God was also in the cloud. So when there was suddenly a pillar of a fire in the upper room, you know that the people that were there immediately thought God's presence because they all knew about the pillar of fire that led them out of Egypt. And when that pillar of fire split into, I think it was 120 different flames and landed on each one of them, it was like the presence of, in fact, it was the presence of God moving into those people. And he, God went into those people with fire. And suddenly they could talk in languages that they'd never learned, languages they couldn't understand. They were speaking in tongues. The fire purifies us. It's what changes us. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us that changes us. In Zechariah 13, 9, Zechariah said, or God says, and I will put this one third through the fire. I'll refine them as silver is refined and test them as all gold is tested. They will invoke my name trust in my promises and I will answer them I will announce these are my people and they will confess the eternal is our God it's interesting that God says he will put one third through the fire refine them as silver is refined and test them as all gold is tested when people dig gold and silver out of the ground it's an alloy. It's, it's mixed with all kinds of other, with tin and with copper. With, it can be mixed with anything. And it has to be refined for the gold to come out or for the silver to come out, depending on what, what you're getting. And you know what? When we get saved, we're like an alloy. We have all kinds of garbage in with the gold. But God sees gold in us. He sees gold in us. And he wants to get rid of all the stuff that isn't. And that's what he does. And the Holy Spirit, with his fire, starts to burn away, burn away the stuff that is not any good. So that only the gold and the silver is left. So that only the gold and the silver is left. And then he announces, these are my people, and they will confess the eternal is our God. Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Can anyone live through the day when he arrives? Will anyone be left standing when he appears? He's a purifying fire. He is like lye soap, like a refiner of silver. He will purify the descendants of Levi until they are pure, unalloyed gold and silver. And then... They will draw near to the eternal one, presenting offerings with righteous, clean hands. It's interesting that it says that they will draw near to the eternal one after they're refined. After the refining takes place. And I, um, I have walked through the refining fire and I probably will walk through it again but I have to say the result 
the result was that I drew near to God. And the result was I felt a love of God I had never felt in my life before. A result of the purification. You see, when God, when, when, when the fire of the Holy Spirit purifies, the love of God fills, fills the spots that the Holy Spirit burns out. And, and, and the more you allow God to do that in your life, the more you will know God. And the more you refuse to allow God to do that, the less you will know God. And, and walking through the fire is not an easy process. Because there are thoughts, there are attitudes. The, the first time I walked through, no, not, maybe not the first time, but the time I was walking through the fire about four years ago, God took me on a journey. And I walked into the fire. I refer to it as the fire swamp, you know, because everywhere I went, there was something else that was getting burned out. And, um, but I knew, but I knew it was God. And God did that. He filled my heart with his love as he, as he removed, as he removed the stuff that he didn't want there. And the things he removed were wrong attitudes, wrong beliefs, um, I had to go back and repent for decisions I had made that were ungodly, even though I didn't know they were ungodly when I made them. Um, God brought back to me, I had, I had repressed a bunch of memories. There was parts, much of my childhood I did not remember. And when God started, when God took me by the hand and started walking me through that fire, he brought, started bringing those memories back. And he only brought back the memories where I had believed a lie or where I had made a wrong decision. He didn't bring them all back. All, all the bad memories, he, I still, I don't have most of them. I only have a few, the few that God gave me, but he didn't give them to me randomly. There were specific ones that he gave me that I had to deal with. And, and no, it wasn't fun but I knew it was God. And I knew what God was doing because when he started, he said to me, he said, the best way to rebuild a classic car is to strip it down to the frame, sandblast it, and put all new parts on it. And I knew what God was doing. And it was not easy to walk through for sure. There was, there was at one point I thought that I was going to end up in the psych ward at the hospital because I couldn't stop crying. And God was just bringing up this and this and that. But every day I drove to work and I said, God, I'm ready for the next one, whatever it is that you gotta do. And sometimes I'd make it to work and sometimes I wouldn't. But um, that's the purifying fire. It purifies. If you will allow him, he will purify. He will, and, and, and he makes you such a better person. And, but the best part, and I've said this before, is the love of God that is showered on you when he does that. Even though the fire hurts, the love that God showers on you when he does it is such an amazing thing. I, I watched a video on silver. There's, there's, I found a video on the internet on, on how they removed all the dross 
from the silver. And it's interesting, they said that if you let it cool down too fast, then the silver that you have has, he called it silver sprouts, parts of it shoot up. And it's, very, it's still pure, but it's very rough and very hard. But if you let it cool down slowly, if you control how fast it cools down, you end up with a nice smooth, he called it a button of silver, piece of silver. And I thought that was interesting because the purifying fire that I walked through wasn't just a weekend. It was about two, and a, two years, two and a half years, somewhere in there. But a good thing to recognize is that a refiner's fire is not a destructive fire. It's not like a forest fire where the fire blazes through and everything in its path gets burned up. Or, or like an incinerator where everything you put in there is reduced to ashes and you scoop it out with a shovel. A refiner's fire is not like that. The purpose of a refiner's fire is not destruction. The purpose of the refiner's fire is to refine us, not to destroy us. And the refiner's fire only destroys that which the refiner does not want. So the, when, when God when God's fire refines us, as, as much as it might hurt, you can trust that God will not. It's not a destructive fire. And there is an end. It does not go on forever. And, and, and how you know God so much better at the end of it than you do at the beginning. You, you just, you feel him. You can feel his presence. I could hear him talk to me. I, I, I've had him say things to me that, well, I've had him tell me jokes, actually, <laughs> which I never heard God do before. You know, it, it's, it's like he's with you and he's a person that you hang around with all the time. And you talk to him and he talks back to you and it's, it's an amazing thing. But it is fire. It is fire. Purity, this is something John Piper said. Purity and holiness will always be a dreadful thing. There will always be a proper fear and trembling in the process of becoming pure. Christianity is not something to take lightly. And the passion for purity is never flippant. It's like a fire, and fire is serious. You don't fool around with fire. The purifying, when God purifies us, it's not a flippant thing. It is a very serious thing. And if you've ever walked through it, you know very well how serious it is. But we just have to be careful sometimes that we don't take it lightly. The, the, the fact that God has chosen to live inside of us and the fact that God has chosen to work through us, it's a pretty amazing thing. And, and he still chooses to work through us as flawed as we are and as imperfect as we are but we're getting better we're getting better all the time and that doesn't mean we can't laugh I'm not trying to say we have to be so sober and somber all the time um, Marge and I we laugh we went to a funeral one time and one of the songs was an old hymn and it was I sing because I'm happy and the guy had the biggest frown on his face you ever see <laughs> 
and I, and, and I realized maybe that was because of the funeral setting. But Marge and I still laugh about that. We put on our biggest frown and go, we sing because we're happy. But, <laughs> so I, I'm not, I, don't, don't take what I'm saying to say that God never laughs. But God sees holy different than we do. Completely different. You know, I, I was leading a Bible study a few years ago. And I'm watching the video Wednesday by myself at home before, before Bible study. And I'm eating leftover meatloaf, sitting on the couch, watching this video. And the man in the video said, Satan's greatest attack against you will be your greatest weapon against him. And the Holy Spirit just fell on me. And I cried, I sobbed. Like I didn't just weep, I sobbed. But the thing is, I had a mouthful of meatloaf at the time. <laughs> and so I'm trying to keep the meatloaf in my mouth and I am sobbing it because I can't stop. And I heard God laughing at me in the corner of the room. Uh, I know exactly where he was standing and he started laughing at me trying to keep the meatloaf in my mouth. And it's kind of funny, but you know what? It was a holy moment. But when we, we, when we have a holy moment, we want to build a shrine and we want to put up a statue and we, wanna, and we want to make it part of our church service. And, God doesn't look at holy moments the way we do. It was a holy moment and the Holy Spirit fell, but God laughed at me trying to keep the meatloaf in my mouth. I remember I said, couldn't you have waited like five seconds? And he went, mm, no. <laughs> no, he just wanted to see me try and keep it in my mouth. He's, he's, he's a lot of fun, you know, and the refining process, as, as you work through it, you discover a God that is so absolutely amazing, so different than what the church has portrayed him. You know, and he is such an amazing God. Anyway, back to the notes. <laughs> Why do we have to be refined? We need to be refining plain and simple because we need it. You know, when we come to God, we're broken usually. Um, we're certainly not shining and we're certainly not bright. There is a, a lot of stuff in us that God needs to remove. We need to be refined. All of us do. We were born in, in sin, and sin is our nature. Before we meet Jesus, our nature is sin. Have you ever noticed you don't have to teach a child to be selfish? They just are. And it's not that they're bad. It's just the way children are. But you have to teach them to share because you know we're just born we're just born in sin and God makes us with a divine plan in our life but then life happens and we are changed we make decisions that we shouldn't make as kids we make decisions we shouldn't make we don't even know any better and by the time we get saved we need to work backwards and get those decisions that we made out of our lives In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children and subject to God's wrath like everyone else. That's how we're born. And so by the time we come to Jesus, we have to be old enough to know what we're doing. A three-year-old who has no idea of right and wrong yet doesn't have the ability 
until they get to the age of maturity and it's different for everybody. It's not a set age. It's not 12 years, bam, you can get saved now. It's, it's when, when you get to the point where you understand that you need to be forgiven. That's when you can get saved. But by that point, there's a lot in us already that needs to be taken out. So we just need purifying. All of us do. Every one of us. Unfortunately, purifying and suffering sometimes is the same thing. Most times it is, because it hurts, and it's hard. And when God purifies something, He will bring it up so that you can see it and so that you know what He's doing. Unfortunately, bringing, up, bringing it up means bringing it up. <laughs> you know, um, there was a lot of fear that I had that I needed to be delivered from. But I didn't know the fear was there until suddenly I was afraid of something. And, my, and then I had some, a reaction to it, which was way over the top. And then I'd stop and say, what? Like, why did I react so bad? And God says, okay, let's work on that now. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Sometimes it's, it's an attack. Sometimes it's just something that happens. Life happens. Life isn't always rosy. But how we, how we react to what life happens will determine who we're going to be in a year from now. Who we're going to be a year from now. Whether we act, whether we go to God with it and, and give the pain to God and let Him heal it, or whether we strike out and try on our own. It, the funny thing about your heart is you can't heal your heart. There's nothing you can do to heal it. You, if, if the only thing you can do is to give it to God and He will heal it. Time doesn't cure pain, it just buries it so that you can manage. It really doesn't heal it. And, and the only way to heal it is to give it to God and let Him refine it out of you. If you have a, as a side note, a little rabbit trail, if you have a problem with offense, I would say probably you have some pain that hasn't been healed from your heart. And until you deal with the pain of what somebody did to you, you will always be offended with that person. Because every time you think of it, the pain comes up and you get angry again. Because the pain is always there. And getting rid of the pain is as simple as giving it to God. Just going to God and saying, I know I'm not supposed to feel this way. I know it's wrong, but I can't help it. It's there. And I can't change it. All I can do is bury it. And then it'll just come up again. So God, if you want me changed, you're going to have to do it because I can't. It's as simple as that. And God will take it. And then you just rest and you, and you wait for God to do it. And, and then you'll find at one point you go, hey, God did something. <laughs> when I first got saved, I swore a lot. I swore because <laughs> when I was 14, my mom and dad moved to Saskatoon and took me with them. And I blamed God for it. And so I started swearing because I thought that would make God mad. And if I was mad at him, he should be mad at me. It's a 14-year-old kid. So I, I consciously started to swear. But I got saved when I was 18, and it wasn't conscious anymore. It just was there. And I tried so hard to stop and couldn't. And one day I, I said to God, I said, if you want me to not to swear, you're going to have to do something. Otherwise, I'm going to be a cussing Christian because I can't stop. And then uh, probably, I don't know, three weeks, a month later, 
I got my finger caught in a conveyor belt at work, and I remember pulling it out and going, ah, oh, that, hey, no swear words, <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because God can tell you what he's doing, but you don't feel any different and suddenly, until suddenly you get into a situation where you would normally rise up and suddenly you don't. And you see that God has done something. Romans 5, 3 to 5, it says, and that's not all. We also celebrate in seasons of suffering because we know that when we suffer, we develop endurance, which shapes our characters. When our characters are refined, we learn what it means to hope and anticipate God's goodness. And hope will never fail to satisfy our deepest need because the Holy Spirit that was given to us has flooded our hearts with God's love. As I said earlier, when you go through the times of suffering, God floods your heart with his love. Whether you feel it or whether you don't, if you're leaning on him, he does that. And he will never ever allow you to go through something that you can't come out of. God won't let you get into a fight you can't win. But every fight you get into, you can lose if you don't do it right. You know, we have to, we have to let God take care of that stuff inside of us. 1 Peter 1.7, suffering tests our faith, which is more valuable than gold. Remember that gold, although it's perishable, is tested by fire, so that if it's found genuine, you can receive praise, honor, and glory when Jesus, the anointed, our liberating king, is revealed at last. God will not take you to a point of suffering, but he will certainly use it. Usually the points of suffering, we take ourselves there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is God doesn't look down and say, there's Troy, I'm going to make him suffer so that he can learn something. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. Troy gets in trouble himself and then God says, I can teach him now. <laughs> and I, and I, you know, I just picked Troy because he's the front row, he's the guy I saw. I don't, uh, but that's the way we are. We're all the same. We get ourselves into situations and then we run to God. And if we listen... He will start the refining fire and he will refine something out of us that got us into that situation so we don't do the same thing to get into that situation again. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 15. As others build on the foundation, whether gold, silver, gemstones, wood, hay, or straw, the quality of each person's work will be revealed in time as it's tested by fire. If a man's work stands the test of fire, he'll be rewarded. If a man's work is consumed by the fire, the reward will be lost and he will be spared, but rescued from the fire. The reward is what we read in Romans. The Holy Spirit has given us, has flooded our hearts with his love. The reward of our works not being burned up is his love. And when you've experienced his love, nothing else is like it. I used to read in the Bible where it says that their great reward is me, God would say. And I would think, I'd rather have a truck, you know. But when you've met him and you feel the peace. I got saved when I was 18. And I, when I walked through the, through the fire, I was 58. So about 40 years. And I suddenly experienced a peace that I had never known before. I had lived in turmoil my whole life, but didn't know that it was turmoil because I had had it my whole life. I just thought it was normal. But suddenly when it was gone, 
and the peace of God was there instead, it was such an amazing thing. It was such an amazing thing. And I, I remember texting people saying, whoa, I've never felt like this before. I remember sitting in a hotel room in Regina and texting uh, Pastor Megan saying, this is amazing. I have never, ever felt like this before. This peace is so amazing. And then you walk and you lose it a little bit and you go, okay, something's wrong. <laughs> you know. And then you can go back to God and find out what it is. We're always going to make mistakes. Always. That's how we learn, unfortunately. Um, pain is an awesome teacher, by the way. <laughs> you, don't, you don't forget the lesson. Um, but I was trying to be perfect, right? I, I had been gone through this process for about, took about two and a half years, and I had walked out of it, and the, I felt the love of God, and I just wanted to be perfect, the perfect Christian, and I wanted to do it for Him. And of course, it failed. And God said to me, this just rocked me. He said, you need to trust me enough that when you fail, I will pull you back. He, he said, don't trust me not to fail. Trust me that I will not let you get hurt when you fail. And just put one foot in front of the other and keep walking. Because if you, if you, when you walk off the path, I will let you know and I will bring you back. And we have to, I had to learn to trust God to pull me out of my mistakes and not, not worry about making mistakes. I still hate making mistakes. I still don't like it. But I don't strive so much to be perfect anymore because I've learned that God still loves me when I screw up. And God will help me to get right back on the path and keep going. And that to me was amazing. I had never thought of that before. I was just always trying to be perfect. And there's a huge freedom in knowing that you don't have to be perfect and God will still love you and forgive you when you're not. And actually knowing it in your heart. There's a huge freedom in that. So um, I want to close with um, Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6 to 7. And I really believe that these are God's words to you this morning. So as I read them, I'm going to read them a little, try and read them slower, you know. But I would like you to close your eyes and assume this is God talking to you. Because it is. It's just using my voice. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this ferocious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. That's what God wants you to do this morning. He wants you to cover your heart with him. The only way to do that 
is to tell him and give it to him. So if you're listening, or even if you're here this morning, and you have never given your heart, you've never given yourself to God, you've never said, God, take me the way I am and make me better and purify me, because I want to be your child. If you've never done that, good news. Today's the day. So I, I'm, going to, I'm just going to pray the prayer and just pray after me. Close your eyes. Put your mind, mind on, on God, however, however you think he looks like. And just pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for sending Jesus as a sacrifice that I could be your child so that you and I could have a relationship. I surrender my life to you. I give my heart to you to change, to purify, to fill with your love and to make me your child. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you did that for the first time, and you're online and you did that for the first time, go onto our website, send us an email. Um, Let us know. And if you're in the room and you've done it for the first time, come and find me. Let me know. It'd be awesome. It would be awesome. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.